Let's start with prayer as a way of acknowledging that the source of forgiveness, everything we know about forgiveness, everything we receive, even if it's forgiveness we receive from one another and from ourselves, all begins with God. So let's pray. God, thank you for making us a forgiven people. Please continue to open our eyes and our hearts, our mouths, towards your forgiveness, that we may forgive one another, ourselves, be known even as a forgiving people, all for your glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. The law, capital L. As we think of law, in the Bible at least, most typically begins with a formal writing down of all multitudes of laws and lists in the book of Leviticus, which is precisely why we tend only to make it through Genesis and Exodus when we sit down to read the Bible. And sure, I mean, Exodus, I know, has the Ten Commandments, and it's a part of a grouping of books called the Law, other laws laid out. But if we think of the lists and the specifics and all the details, well, that's Leviticus. And so you might find it interesting that the book that has all the lists and specifics and the details is a book with a beautiful refrain. And if you don't know the refrain, that's better than any song you've ever heard. If you don't know the refrain from the book of Leviticus, you're in for a treat. If you've ever turned the page from the end of Exodus to the beginning of Leviticus, Bless your heart, because assuming that most of you read it in English, they're staring at you in all giant, all caps, bold-faced, serif font letters was Leviticus. And it makes me sad. Because the original name of this book was not, well, that word. It's not actually what this book was called, Leviticus. The word has zero meaning. Zero meaning to us. But I think the original name of the book might have some meaning. It was originally called and the Lord called. And the Lord called. That has a better sound to it than Leviticus. And the Lord called. And then not too far into the book that you started, that is named And the Lord Called, just a little ways into that book as you read, you start hearing a repeated phrase like music. It's a refrain and it keeps going over 
and over again, and they will be forgiven. Starting in chapter 4, I just want to read verses from Leviticus 4, 5, and 6. Listen to this. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the community, and they will be forgiven. 431, and the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them, and they will be forgiven. 435, and the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the food offerings presented to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them for the sin they have committed, and they will be forgiven. Priest shall then offer the other burnt offering in the prescribed way, make atonement for them for the sin they have committed, and they will be forgiven. And it actually, with the verses, starts getting more interesting. Listen to this one. This is into chapter 5. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them. Same as, but, but listen to the way it changes. For any of these sins they have committed, and they will be forgiven. 5.16, they must make restitution for what they have failed to do in regard to the holy things, pay an additional penalty of a fifth of its value, and give it all to the priest. The priest will make atonement for them with the ram as a guilt offering, and they will be forgiven. Listen to this one in 5.18. Priest will make atonement for them, same thing, for the wrong they have committed unintentionally and they will be forgiven. And then the last time this phrase is used in chapters 4, 5, and 6 in this opening refrain, in this way the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord and they will be forgiven for any of the things they did that made them guilty. Where we get bogged down in this book is in all the language of burnt offerings and priests and altars. We don't really identify with that kind of worship anymore. But if you can get past the language we don't identify with, there's plenty in there that we need to identify with, especially if we're going to talk about forgiveness this summer, because we need to start, if we're going to talk about forgiveness, with what Scripture teaches and also what it models for us. Because it's probably pretty likely that when I said, okay, let's spend the summer in forgiveness. Great, let's talk about it. Where are we going to start? Genesis. Well, that makes sense. What's, the, what's, the, what's another sermon? Let's, let's, let's camp out in the book of Leviticus. Uh, we were talking about a vacation in May. That's probably a good Sunday to do it. I was actually really relieved whenever y'all walked in and looked at the order of worship and saw that the sermon was from Leviticus that you stayed. Because <laughs> this is not a popular book. It's not one that people get excited about reading. But again, if we're going to talk about what does Scripture Teach and model about forgiveness as a way to launch this conversation. Then if you can make it through all of the language of the first six chapters of the book of Leviticus, you do start hearing this beautiful refrain. And it all begins with this little phrase. 
in this book that used to be called And God Called. And that thousands of years old phrase is not a relic of the past. And that's something I really want to emphasize here. We teach and we believe, because the Bible tells me so, that Scripture is, is still alive. It's still for us. Okay, so if it's alive, and it is, then this phrase and even this old teaching, that yeah, we had to blow the dust off of because we haven't read Leviticus in a long time, but once we do, this has something to teach us. It has something to model for us as a gathered people together here in the name of Jesus to receive this ancient phrase, and they will be forgiven. Let's not read this as a story about them way back then. We could. Let's not do that. Instead, what if in reading this we actually receive it and they will be forgiven? The people of God fashioned idols that gave them false senses of security. And the people of God put their trust in those security idols that took on the form of security alarms and debt securities and security and certifications. Because of the machines they built for their own security that turned out to be not quite nearly as secure as we thought they would be. And so, the high priest will enter the most holy place and make atonement for the community, and they will be forgiven. The people of God stopped listening to one another and started trusting more in the powers that be in the form of celebrities so beautiful that they must be sent straight from God. They did not realize at the time how much they had given in to the lust for things like finding that perfect pair of shoes or that perfect wristwatch or that pair of socks guaranteed for life, never to get a hole in it. True story, by the way, I'm wearing a pair right now. In fact, they're called darn tough socks. And yes, they are guaranteed for life. Thank you very much. But when the people realized, as they sang, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, that their treasures were laid up in the very barns and silos that Jesus himself said not to place our treasures. So thanks be to God for our high priest Jesus, because in this way the priest will make atonement for them for the wrong they have committed unintentionally, and they will be forgiven. People of God devoted decades to debating and fighting over a keyboard instrument that produces sound by striking strings with hammers, characterized by its large range and ability to play chords freely. Those who chose the thing with felt-covered hammers flaunted their freedom to do so while 
those who rejected the instrument vis-a-vis their commands, examples, and necessary inferences did so while condemning their mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers straight to hell for the sin of their wooden boxes and their fall boards, sustaining pedals and thick wooden legs. But then one day, when the people saw how their divisions alienated millions of people who looked at such arguments and said things like, well, if that's God, I don't want any part of God. When the people realized what they had done, they went before the Lord and they will be forgiven for any of the things they did that make them guilty. I think the greatest thing about forgiveness could be that God is so busy forgiving us all the time, we don't even realize it. Look, I think I understand forgiveness less as I get older. Every time over the past few months that I've brought up the topic of forgiveness in conversations with people, do you know what's happened? It's only raised more questions and more conversations. And you know what? I think that may be the point. I think the point going into this summer, into this exploration and conversation and hopefully experience of forgiveness is for us to explore, to have conversation, and hopefully to experience forgiveness. Because... In one of the earliest moments in the law that we know is the book of Leviticus, the book goes out of its way to describe people who messed it all up, who were completely divided. And you know, loved ones listening to this sermon, I'm sorry. But when you survey the history of Christianity from then until now, when you look at the wake of mutilation that American Christianity has left in our wake, the pain that we have caused in the name of being right, or, as crazy as this sounds, shaming people for not being grace-filled enough, All the separation and hatred and name-calling and business meetings and on and on and on. I mean, good heavens, how are we even supposed to take ourselves seriously in such a setting? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I have an answer. It may not be the answer, but it could be. We, as a family-sized outpost in the kingdom of heaven, do not have the ability to solve all the messes of our past, nor is that our responsibility. But if you listen closely, you will hear the stories of those who went before us, out in the wilderness, somewhere between Egypt and the promised land, 
and you will hear stories of people who messed it all up. And then, if you want to fast forward in time from the law, you will hear a song that plays right before the closing credits. And that song of Hebrews 11 sings a song of those who lived by faith. Through hard times and good times and everything in between. Deserts, mountains, everything in between. Days of great unity and days of deep division and everything in between. And the last verse of that song in Hebrews 11 goes like this. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I think that one is still unfolding. I think it's still in process. We can believe together and have hope and have faith that God has something better planned for us so that only together will we see and be made perfect and they will be forgiven. In the meantime, we can trust and we can put our faith in Jesus great high priest, and while we wait for everything to take place, and while we wait patiently to be made perfect, thank you for your patience, by the way, while we wait, we can be confident, sure of what we hope for, certain in what we do not always see with our eyes. We can be confident that in this way, our great high priest Jesus will make atonement for the community and they will be forgiven. Atonement for the community, for us, and they will be forgiven. Amen.